You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. another episode of the Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's going on? Derek, this is so far, by far, one of my favorite recording locations. <laughs> there is zero cell service. We're underneath a sidewalk on Pearl Street. We're in a dojo. And this is Sato Brew Pub. So we should probably start with introductions and then dive right into all things Sato. Is it Sato or Sato? Yeah, that one. Sato. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's not Correct. Sato. I, I, I was going <laughs> to... I was going to wait to correct you until we got going here. I was going to wait until like halfway in and then tell you you're wrong. No, you should have waited till the very end. Like 14 seconds left, Mike, by the way. You were wrong for the last hour and a half. So, um, yes. So here at Satao, we have one killer individual that is basically wearing 40 hats, although you're only seeing one on camera. But you want to introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, so I'm Evan Flurry. I'm the... Head brewer, 
director of brewing, sales, marketing. Um, I sometimes get told to deal with front of house. I'm losing track of things. <laughs> Someone stop me. Just so, so everything. Yeah, basically. You're the master of the whiteboard. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's me and the general manager, basically. So how did you get involved? Uh, here or... Start, start at the start, beginning. Let's start way beginning. Oh, back in the beginning. Well, have you seen Land Before Time? Yes. Um, <laughs> so, no. So, I started in sales at... Okay, so I'm from East Aurora. Let's just put that out there first so that this frame of reference actually makes sense. Um, moved to Princeton with my girlfriend for her grad school, and I started at the Wegmans down there. Yeah, there's... Princeton? Yeah. All right. Yeah. This weird, interview's over. Weird flax. Yeah, yeah uh, that's too dumb for this conversation. No, no, no. <laughs> I moved to Princeton. I didn't go to Princeton. <laughs> different things. Very different things. I was the poor people in Princeton. <laughs> you know, like, and I don't mean the poor people that get the scholarships. That was, that was like actual poor people. Um, so I started at the Wegmans out there, got into beer sales out there. Um, the Amherst Street Wegmans beer job opened up. Like right around the time that she graduated, we came back up here, started, did that for, I don't know, six months, eight months, whatever it was. Then um, Sellerman job opened up at 42 North. So I kind of went back to East Aurora like 12 years later as it was and did that until COVID and then COVID happened and they laid everyone off. And then I got in and did the thing at Lake Ward that I was telling you about um, doing hand sanitizer, whatever, then sort of stumbled into the production job there. And then uh, Justin Lamanto, who was here from, I don't know, not day zero, but basically, you know, early on when Sato opened, he was here being the assistant brewer. Drew left, he took over, and then he went and followed Drew to Thin Man. So he put the job up, and Carl from Pressure Drop, of all people, was like, Oh, goodness. Hey, hey, <laughs> you want a brewer job again? I was like, Yeah, Carl, I do. He's like, Go talk to Justin. I was like, Thanks, Carl. <laughs> Carl's such a legend. He's a riot. Yeah, I know, it's really. hysterical. Yeah. So, so you've always wanted to get into brewing? Well, I mean, I was doing the seller job. I was doing, like, the cold side packaging. Like, I was running canning line over at 42. I was, like, doing all of the not actually brewing stuff. Um, and so, like, that's where I went. That's the kind of the background that I started in. Um, I should also kind of note, so when I was in Princeton, I started home brewing. Just my girlfriend was like, yeah, you, well, you like this. You mm -hmm. like technical stuff. Here, go do a thing for Christmas. Um, so that's kind of where I started on the hands-on side of stuff. Then the 42 North thing, got doing that. Um, from there, I was like, well, I want to actually learn how to do all of this, not just put me on the canning line and, you know, stand in mm -hmm. a vortex for the next eight hours. Um, so, you know, they didn't have the capacity to train me up at that point in time. So I was like, okay, well, uh, I'm going to go look for programs. And it at that point, at the point in time before COVID, I think it was what Trocare, Ntrip, ECC, and then I think shortly, like just before COVID, Ntrip went out, and that's no longer a thing. Um, and then Niagara College, which is across the border, which is like they call it Niagara in the Lake, but it's like St. Catharines basically. Mm -hmm. um, so I got into that program and I started that. Then COVID kicked out Lakeward, and then now this, and now I'm back at Niagara. It's so been you were in the Niagara on the Lake college yeah or program S still am kind how, of how does that work um it's the short answer is basically it's like so you got to think of me as like a nurse that works at roswell functionally as far as the border is concerned 
So basically they were like, okay, we need all of this information up front. We need where you're going, how long you're going to be there, all of the details. We need you to fill out all this paperwork. I like, I got my Nexus because I'm not insane. Sure. Um, and then they're basically just like, yeah, oh, how long are you going to be here? Okay, great. Here you go. You're done. Oh, like, okay. There is a staggering amount of personal responsibility that's taken on that. It, like, it's surprising coming from a federal government for them to be like, are you sick? No, I'm not sick. Oh, great. Go ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, all right, I guess. So it wasn't online. You actually had to go. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, so how do you brew online, Derek? <laughs> That's true. Good point. So, the f- <laughs> I got nothing to say to that. Like, yeah, that's, that's, yes. So, they, the first term I was there, it wasn't a problem because it was January to April, I guess, end of April. So, the only the last, whatever, four weeks were online. Okay, fine. Not annoying, but not the end of the world. Chill out. <laughs> I was 124th right, okay. <laughs> But since, like, I held off and I was like, all right, guys, I'm not, they're not going to let me over the border during last year. That's not happening. So when, whatever, October it was where they started talking about the border opening back up, I sent an email back out to Niagara College. I was like, okay, guys, you still have my money, so I'm still going to show up. (laughs) Um, And they're like, yeah, that's fine. We'll put you in. Great. Go ahead. So did all the stuff up front in January. It hasn't been an issue so far. Oh, wow. You know, knock on stainless, I guess. (laughs) Um but it's been pretty straightforward. <laughs> You're sitting on wood. <laughs> Fair point. This is a disaster. I love it. <laughs> so, okay. So you homebrewed. What was the first beer that you made? Was it good? I'm oh. assuming it was trash, right? Oh. Everyone has the trash story from when they started. Oh, yeah. No, it was the, it was the bite off more than you can chew sort of thing. So um, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to do this. And we're just going to like, we're going to make all the mistakes up front. It's going to be great. <laughs> So I did an imperial stout, like an imperial milk stout that I knew I had to sit on for a while. So I sat on front. I was like, oh, we're in New Jersey and it's like fruit season. So I'm going to go get some like sweet cherries and we're going to like age this on sweet cherries and cocoa nibs. It's going to be great. And I was like, I don't know how long I'm supposed to sit on this. So I threw the cherries in and I left it and I left it sit for, I don't know, a couple months or whatever. I opened it up and it was just like, it looked like nightmare fuel. (laughs) And I was like, no, I'm bottling this. We're doing this. I've committed like a month and a half to this. I don't care. <laughs> Put it in bottles, like sat on it, carved it. I was, you know, I was like, I tried it. I was like, God almighty, this is just sour. The whole thing is just like, oh, yeah. like it was just a sour stuff. So I blended like four bottles with Guinness because the thing was like nine point something percent. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm be damned if I'm going to throw this all down the drain. So if you're just starting homebrewing, what is the easiest to do? It can't be a cream stout. no. Good Lord, no. And also not an Imperial where you've, you know, shelled out, you know, the better part of 50 <laughs> or 60 bucks for five gallons of beer. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Um, I mean, they make kits. You can get homebrew kits. Um, general rule of thumb is if you're going to do that, buy Unless you know it's, like, new, unless you look at the data and it's like, oh, it was made yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like, get new yeast, get new hops, and you're fine. Whatever it is. And those things run, will run you 40 ish bucks depending upon what you want obviously you know you want to get an imperial stout kit it's going to cost you more money how much do they make uh five gallons oh yeah everything's with some exception basically everything in homebrew is on five gallon scale um or five and a half it's all kind of like the same thing because your standard fermenters your you know those glass carboys are Mm -hmm. all 
they're like six gallon carboys, so it's it makes like five gallons once you get headspace and all the yeast and stuff off of it, you know. So, yeah, don't do what I did. <laughs> don't do that. So when you go to school for brewing, yeah, what like this is gonna sound stupid. But what do you yeah. actually learn? Like, is it all science based? Like the yeast is that part of it? Is it actually hands on experience to brew? Like, what what's the course like? Yeah. So the reason I went to Niagara specifically is because I looked at. ECC and I looked at Trocare because by the time that I was looking, N-Trip was basically not a thing anymore. Oh, excuse me. Um, Those courses are very much so like a get your feet wet so you don't look like a fool when we send you into a brewery to actually learn things. Hmm. That's the short of those programs. By and large, I'm being very reductive Mm -hmm. here, and I know I'm being very reductive. Eric Coleman, please don't kill me. Um, So... But so I was like, I already know this stuff. I'm already working at 42 North. Like, I know what a tri clamp is. I know how to use stainless. I'm not like I can rub two brain cells together. Um, so the program in Niagara is it's trimesters. It's five trimesters. So whatever, a year and a half mm-hmm. or a little over a year and a half. And you basically end up with um, they have an actual brewery on campus there that's like functional. And you make beer once a week. You go mm-hmm. and you do your thing. Um, and the guy up there who's the brewmaster is John Downing, who is been around for longer than I have even thought of beer. Um, so he's doing that thing. And then they've also got like a, an actual classroom component where they've got um, a handful of professors. They got one professor who does like sensory, one guy who is one of the founders of Escarpment Labs, who's a yeast, like the main yeast propagator up in Canada, mm. at least on the East Coast. Um, and, you know, and then they throw in some of the other stuff. They throw in, like, a little, you get, like, a business finance class. You get some communications classes. You know, some of the generic type stuff. But it's broadly, it's, like, equipment. So, and a lot of stuff that I would never use. But we're talking, like, centrifuges and, like, the heavy-duty sure. stuff that, like, AB InBev uses. One class for that. Uh, one class for sensory. One class for science stuff. And hands-on brewing. And that's you know 70 80 percent of what you're doing there so that's definitely the more like involved oh, yeah. program. Yeah. yeah i mean and that was that's what it came down to is like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spend money on this i'm not gonna go to it if you know if i went to ecc or i went to drug it's like i know this stuff i'm not gonna give them money to not learn church you know it's it's just a, a cost benefit analysis basically absolutely in a very cold sense mm-hmm. I agree that, yes, it was a beneficial cost analysis, uh, and it was a good decision on your part. So once you've completed that program, then you move into this, essentially, right? So we'll skip to now this. Yeah. It's a much larger system than a homebrew kit, and you have flagships, but how did this location even come about? Do you know that story? I know bits and pieces of it, so I've, I've kind of got, like, the Swiss cheese account. That um, works. So we're part of... So Sato Grupo is part of three restaurant, like a restaurant group, kind of, a loose restaurant group, um, all owned by Josh and Satomi Smith. And it started with the Elmwood location next to Spot, right? I don't know what the intersection is there. I don't know what the cross street is, but it's right, right by Spot on Elmwood. Um, they opened that... Then two two ish years later, they opened ramen up by UB South, 
And during it, sometime during that time period, Josh Smith was brewing with Drew at Old CBW, back when Old CBW was a brew on premise, when it was like, hey, come in and our brewers will teach you how to make good homebrew, mm-hmm. like that sort of thing. Um, and Josh Smith went in and made a beer or two. I'm a little hazy on that part, but um, met Drew. Then they opened ramen, and around the time that they were talking about opening ramen, he was talking to Drew about opening this place because um, it had opened up, I guess, right around the time that Elmwood opened, I think this place had closed the sound lab. So just as like kind of a reference point on time. Um, and they did... They were working on ramen as they were working on here, I think, because we only opened up like six months after ramen did, and there's no way they've got this place completely open in six months. Um, so they opened up. Drew was supposed to be a consultant, just like coming in from CBW and being like, this is how you do it, and I'm getting out now. Um, and then they had hired a head brewer and an assistant brewer who I don't know. Technically, the assistant brewer is still my assistant brewer, but like he does what he wants and it's fine. He's got a he's got a full time job doing like computer sales or something. Sure. So, you know, him and I have had this discussion of, hey, you show up when you want to show up. Just let me know and fine, whatever. You know, I'm not gonna get rid of somebody who's been here for four years and knows what's going on. Um, so he, those two, the head brewer ended up leaving. I don't know why. I have literally no idea. Drew ended up stepping in, becoming the head brewer here. You know, a few months later, Justin came on as like the assistant intern something, and then away we go, you know. And then Drew goes to Thin Man, Justin steps up, Justin goes to Thin Man, I step up, sort of thing. So are you going to Thin Man? Uh, That seems to be where we're going. (laughs) I don't know. What does Sato mean? Uh, literally, it's something akin to, like, home or sense of place as, like, a literal translation. Also, Satomi is the owner. Oh, okay. So there's, like, this weird sort of play on words, kind of. Do you know, is there meaning behind the six symbols around the name? Yes. The, I At one point in time, I knew the actual translation. What the six symbols are is... If you go to an Itsakaya in Japan, and we actually have the... I mean, you can't see them from anywhere on here, but they're basically behind the whiteboard, on the, on, like, in the front of house. There's the paper lanterns. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the paper lanterns have those symbol on them. It's basically just, like... It translates to, like, this is an Isekaya, or, like, this is what it is. It's literally just a description, so they just gotcha. took took the characters and put them on the label. That's pretty sweet. So, Because that was the impetus to this location specifically for all its weird little quirks and Mm -hmm. headaches and whatnot is that it's the isekai is in the basement that's the thing that's like the you go to japan and they have like the the cloth thing you Mm -hmm. go underground and you get drunk sounds great yeah you know i love that because this is my first time here physically so to walk through the door and be greeted immediately by stairs to go lower. I was like, this is a vibe. Just get you excited, doesn't it? Yeah, like you're going I was like, to something this exclusive. Yeah, this is yeah. really cool. And then it it's super warm on the inside. Obviously it's well lit, but you're you're not expecting that at all because you're it's a high rise building and it's right by the bison stadium. So you're kind of like thrown off that now we're going underground and now we're literally underground to where there's a sidewalk above us, which is just really cool to think about. I made the joke initially, it was like not a sponsor, please be a sponsor, but History Channel's Cities of the Under- Underground. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, this is it. There's no phone service. Like, we're just rocking. 
but everything is linear regarding the systems set up and I assume it's because of space but you mentioned it's a manual operation it's not super automated so what is that process like for you um, because obviously it's basically like phase one through four but how is that yeah so because of the system because it is you know it's it's on a budget a lot of breweries on a budget there's no way around it and when you get on a budget at you know thin man scale you get some nice bells and whistles with it no matter what you do mm-hmm. you know it's it's there's just a certain the bar is higher no matter how budget you go when you're at my scale and you go budget you basically have to hook up all of the hoses so i mean you can see i don't know if the camera can see i don't think the camera can see this but there's uh these little hoses that i hook up and i've got a whole pack of them hanging up over there um which in a larger brewery that all that would be just straight hard piped it would just all be stainless solid piping that wouldn't even be clamped on there it would all just be welded on like resurgence Mm -hmm. yeah like anyone most anyone else realistically um and so that what does that translate to that basically means that um the night before or the day before that i brew i have to like go through and hook up all the hoses um, you're sitting next to the hot liquor tank there, so I'll fill up the hot liquor tank. I'll fill up the kettle, uh, both with water, get them all up to temp with my the automation system here, which is the only the automation system with six buttons on it. Um, <laughs> it's literally just for the heating elements and the turn the pumps on and off. That's all it is. So this is just basically a homebrew system on steroids. Yes, actually. Yes. Um, I've collected a couple small parts since I've been here to make my life not quite a headache Um, but yeah it is it's not anything more than somebody who throws far too much money at a homebrew system would have normally this is your favorite question but cleaning has to be a nightmare for this though because you have to manually do all this right yeah Um, yeah yeah Is, is it that obvious? Um, so it's, it's funny that you actually say that. So the one thing, there's two, two parts to the answer to that. One thing is, is getting the grain out of here and getting the grain in here. Um, the Both of you have seen my grain room, which the cameras can't, but it's all the way back down there, and you're not getting a pallet down there. No matter how much you try, you're not actually going to put a pallet down there. Everything comes in by hand. Everything goes out by hand. So, you know, I get whatever 32 bags of grain fit on a pallet so 32 bags go in and that's they're 55 pounds each and 32 bags come out times 55 pounds each except when they come out they're full of water because you know you fill them up with water um that's not really all that fun and i also don't have the fancy little doors on the front that some mash tons most mash tons will have so i have to literally just hang in there like spider-man and physically scoop it out um, not the most thrilling thing. The other side of that part of the question, this is a young man's job. This is not an old man's job being down here. So the other part of that question, and I was actually working on this, is so, you know, you use chemicals to actually clean things around here. I mean, I'm sure that you guys know this at this point in time. Um, basically, lye and sanitizer are the two big things, or uh, like a nitric phosphoric acid is, would be the third one. Um these don't have any sort of spray units in them, so when I clean these three tanks, I have to physically fill them up and put in high-strength caustic. So I have 70 gallons of high-strength caustic or 70 gallons of high-strength phosphoric acid. It's maybe not the greatest. Um, yeah, it works, <laughs> but, like, it, I mean, and technically OSHA's cool with it, 
So I guess that's fine, but I'm actually I'm, I'm going to get a uh, I literally in the in the middle of getting I just got a spray ball and then I need to get uh, the head brewer from Brightsmith. Sorry, I don't remember his name. I'm terrible with names. Um, anyway, he is like, oh, yeah, just let me know. I got a guy who does welding for stainless. I'll just get him over here. So I'm going to stick a, a spray ball in one of these lids and then I can at least yeah. move that around and not use 70 gallons of high strength cleaning and like that's just not good it's not good for the environment it's not good for me (laughs) it's not good when i you know get distracted and end up leaving 70 gallons of hot caustic in a container overnight it happens Uh, so to quantify for people that are interested in this realm uh how many hours a week are you here um it depends. So, I mean, it's a weird situation because of school, because of all this other stuff, yeah. because of COVID and, you know, pull like drains on the system, as it were, like how much beer is coming out of the cooler mm-hmm. sort of thing. Uh, currently, I can get away with like 20 or just over 20. Oh, and, it's, and it's fine. I'm also doing zero outside sales. So, you know, it's like if I wanted to actually move beer, that would absolutely be 30. That would absolutely be 40. Like as I was like trying to prepare for going into school it's like okay well now i'm going to do a 40-hour work week because i want to pack everything out i want to get everything topped off in case something stupid happens Mm -hmm. you know it's like i just i don't want to like i don't want to be caught with my pants down basically especially when i don't know what covid's going to do or not do or what you know it's like i don't know if the bisons are gonna have a crazy day and suddenly we get smoked i don't know right yeah really so you know, but on on the regular, twenty five is doing all right now. But I mean, I've definitely had forty hour weeks. That's not out of the question. So you're basically dialing your work week based off of how ambitious the place is at getting more beer out. Yeah. So absolutely. If you wanted to, you can easily max this out. Yeah. So my my headroom on this system, give or take a little bit, is probably about a hundred or maybe just over a hundred barrels. Again, depending upon how fast I move, mm-hmm. if I want to like really push it, but like reasonably, it's a hundred and hundred and single digits. Um, right now, I think we're on track to do like eighty or eighty-five this year. I mean, it's kind of a hard judgment because like where we were last mm-hmm. year, numbers where we're going this year. I literally, it's you know, it's like let me pull out my crystal ball here. Yeah, but that's kind of where we were at. I mean, I think in the worst of COVID, we did like high sixties. So that's kind of the window that I'm existing in is between 60 and 100. And these are so I can do uh, technically a barrel and a half on this mash ton. That's kind of my limiting factor. Um, I say technically because I'm doing things that, you know, some other people in town might frown upon and I'm brewing high gravity and then watering it back to fill out the tanks for certain things. So like the light logger, I can do that. It's so good, dude. It works. <laughs> it works. It saves labor. That's another thing too that like nobody thinks about. It costs money to make these things. <laughs> yeah. So you know, instead of having to, you know, I, obviously I can't do that. Like I've got a, a dipper that's coming out shortly. Eight and a half percent. I can't play that game. It's mm-hmm. like I I make eight and a half and it's coming out at sixty gallons. There's no way around it. Um, but the lighter stuff that I make, the shimbo, the core lager you got there, the rabbit that I've got on draft. Uh, a couple other things year round like i can get a batch and a half out give or take and not feel bad about it um because i've got a one and a half gallon system or a one and a half barrel sorry 
one and a half barrel system here. Um, but my tanks are threes, and that weird tank down on the end there, the logger tank, is a four. So if I push my mash my mash ton all the way and I pack that thing completely full, I can fill up that four barrel tank, and it works. Hmm. And that's, I mean, there's my 20 hours as opposed to 28 or 30, you know. So <clears throat> you would put 20 hours into one beer? Mm-mm. No? No, I'm just saying in general. Okay. Gotcha. In general for like a week, okay. a weeks of work, you know. So it's like normally, I mean, a brew day is high sevens, low nines, depending upon how bad of a brew day it is. So, I mean, if, you know, if I had to brew that twice, I mean, that that light lager is the thing. I mean, that's what literally keeps the lights on here. It, it, it works. Everyone loves it. It's great. Um, but I brew that a little more than once a month, a, li- a little less than twice a month, I guess, whatever, somewhere in there. Um, you know, that's another eight or 16 hours a month. And, you know, that pushes up my hours. So, you know, it's just as that's kind of where that like 20 to 28 is coming from. Are they ever thinking about expanding or going and brewing somewhere else? Or is this kind of they want to put you in the small space uh i've talked to him about it this is this is a dicey question i know sure. you don't mean it as such but yeah, yeah it's i i've tried to push that question and it i think i think part of the issue at least at least part of the issue is the covid of like mm-hmm. it it would cost I, I ran the numbers it would cost somewhere around 70 to 100k to build out a new space with like what I would like sure like reasonably what I would like with like more space for the kitchen because right now our kitchen is also doing a fair amount of prep work for the other two restaurants as well as ours so we're doing yeah like this place is cranking pretty good like I I also supply beer to the other two restaurants not a lot but I do um so you know to do that i get it it's it's not cheap it's mm-hmm. you know 80 80,000 100,000 depending upon x y and z like that's a heck of a proposition in the middle of covid right i get it um so it's like what i like to yes at least nominally but on the other hand how reasonable is that in in context sure. you know so so jumping into the kitchen what food because you have I mean, you take the name Sato Brew Pub, and you probably can guess what type of food you have here. Yeah, what, a ton of sushi. Yeah, <laughs> like what is? Can you like talk about your menu and what kind of your best sellers are? Yeah, so I mean, you say sushi like it's a joke, <laughs> but on the other hand, you got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so what I'm so about. The, the menu has expanded over the years. So originally, this started as an isekaya where it was like we got meat on skewers. And we got, like, some rice bowls, and we got a couple other things, and, like, that was kind of it. It was like, we're here to, to churn and burn, you know? It's like, let's let's get people in the seats, let's get them, get them a beer, get them a drink, whatever, get them food, get out of here. Turn it around. That was the idea. Now, as COVID hit, and I, I can't really speak too much to what happened before COVID, but, you know, certainly right around when COVID hit, it was like, oh, we need to, like, we need to do some other things. We need to try some other things. We need to, like, we're doing takeout now. Oh, well... Okay, so we make we make homemade ramen noodles, and we I think we were making ramen here, but it was only like a couple. It was like we got the house and we got the vegetable, mm-hmm. easy. Well, now we're doing like maybe two more. We're doing like a buffalo chicken. We're doing something else, you know. And then it's like, oh well, what about sushi? Everyone's asking for sushi downtown because nobody else does sushi downtown right now, at least not to my knowledge. Yeah, a couple places closed. Yeah, like um. Sea bar, sea bar, yeah. yeah. Wasn't Encore doing sushi too for like a half second? Maybe, then, yeah. Uh, beyond my scope of knowledge. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. 
So like nobody else was doing sushi downtown. It's like, oh well, you're a Japanese restaurant. How do you? How come you don't do sushi? And it's like, oh, okay, well I guess we're doing sushi now. You know, so it 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 has kind of stacked up over time, and we've kind of moved away from the skewers. We still have the skewers, and because that's kind of still like, you know, we got the hardware for it. We're not going to stop doing it. That's crazy. Um, but it's definitely more of like the noodle, the ramen, the sushi. It's 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 the expectation sort of thing. Um, and I think that's that was kind of the the rub, and and I'm I'm speaking beyond my knowledge here, but it, it sort of felt like that was a little bit of the rub where it's like people would be like, oh, what's an itzakaya? So now every person that comes in the door, we have to educate them on hmm. like this is what we do and this is how we do it, and that's very hard to do during COVID. That's very hard to do when you're doing takeout and people are wondering why you don't serve sushi. Sure, that's that's the most American problem in yes the world. Yeah, like <laughs> how come you don't have sushi? You got those symbols. <laughs> It's like what? What's that word you keep yelling at me about? It's so frustrating. Yeah, like do some freaking research. Uh huh. It's not that hard. But anyways, so what kind of sushi you got? Any good stuff? What's happening? Uh, standard rolls. I mean, again, it's it's expectations here. It's we got uh, salmon, we got tuna, we do a lot of the standard rolls, vegetable rolls, sashimi. You know, it's this is this is not anything unexpected, right? You know. But the beer is the best. Obviously, you come to Sacha Brew Pub probably for the beer. I would hope so. What is <laughs> for the sake of my job? I hope so. <laughs> right? Yeah, really. What is the beer you were talking about? The lager, yeah. right? That's probably the best seller. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, what is the second best for somebody that maybe isn't a lager fan? Yeah, like your flagships. Yeah. So we've got Shimbo is the light lager. It's four and a half percent. That's that's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, we also keep Urban Samurai on. That's a Belgian IPA. Um, it's sort of a love child i've made it a love child between a new england and like a an actual belgian ipa again because expectations you know you put ipa on something people are gonna be like well why this is not what i expect it's like well okay fine i'll tweak the flagship um that is it's very like amarillo citra simcoe um, it starts hazy, it ends clear usually because the yeast drops out. It's not really designed to be hazy, but it hangs around for a little while. Um, then I have a sort of a seasonal flagship, I guess. It's like a, a winter and a summer sort of split. Um, rabbit. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. In the Moon and Red Rabbit. So Rabbit in the Moon is a Belgian table beer with green tea and brown rice. 
and that's in the summer. I got that's actually on the brew schedule probably late this month, early next month. And then um, for winter seasonal, Red Rabbit is the same table beer with uh, red beans, like adzuki beans, and wow, I'm blanking on the other thing. Oh, red tea, mm. Ru- rooibos tea. Oh, sweet. So, hmm. yeah. That's pretty sweet. Those are the three year-round, and then I've got eight taps, so another five that are somewhat carte blanche. And your bar is more than just beer. You have a wide variety of liquor up there. And surprisingly, I mean, not surprisingly, I guess, but a lot of Japanese whiskey. Uh, What is, how do you bring, like, Japanese whiskey, and do you guys do research on the Japanese whiskey that you have? Like, what is that, or is it just, it's Japanese whiskey, we're bringing it in? Um, a little of column A, a little of column B, sure. basically. So, I mean, I, weirdly enough, like, I don't know how they were doing it before I showed up, but when I was in Princeton, the the, the Wegmans Princeton, all right, not that Princeton. You can get, keep your Snickers to yourself. <laughs> um, You're the first guest we've ever had that talks about Princeton, so obviously this is, this is our reaction. <laughs> Because we, we've both graduated from the prestigious University uh, of Southwestern Boulevard. So <laughs> that's how that went. Okay? That's, that's where we are. It's all right. It's all right. I'm, I'm Binghamton, so, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Um, what was I? T- oh, that's right. Yeah. Wegmans, Wegmans, Wegmans yeah. Princeton, Japanese yeah. whiskey. So when, when I was working at that Wegmans Princeton, their beer, their beer store and their liquor store was in the same store. So up up here, I mean, I don't know if you know or anyone really cares, but like the beer is part of the like the perishable or non-perishable yep. goods section, whatever. That's that's how they think about it. Out there, because of the fact that the wine store was in there, it was like, oh, you work in beer, oh, you work in the whole wine store because it's all the same thing sure. there. Um, so the point of that being is that like when I was working in the beer store, it's like, oh well. You know, I like whiskey. Teach me about whiskey. And there was this crazy old man who knew far too much about spirits. And he was like, here, try this. Try this. Great. Learn something. <laughs> Wonderful. So, you know, when I came here, it was a game of like, oh, well, we should have this. You know, this is stuff that sold. I mean, granted, it sold in Princeton, but I don't see why it wouldn't sell here. It's right. all like, you know, it's like we've got we've got an occasional customer that comes in here and is like, hey, do you have Yamazaki 12? Yeah, we should get Yamazaki 12 in because we'll sell it. You know, so there's there's that category of things, but then there's another category of things where it's like, "Oh, well, hey, let's bring the let's bring the distributor rep in. Let's bring in we've got um three or four international reps that come in and, and sell us all like the import stuff, all the strange sure. sort of stuff that you wouldn't normally see. And they'll come in and they'll be like, oh, well, we got this sake or we got this, like, you know, uh, shochu or we got this, like, whatever. Here, here, try this. Have a sample of this. Like, what do you think about it? What do you want? What do you have? What do you don't have? So they'll come in and do that. Um, So it's kind of a little bit of both. Yeah, we did. We got super interested in Japanese whiskey. And part of that whole experimental, like, knowledge phase was trying to understand the difference between shochu, sake, and Japanese whiskey. So... Obviously, things changed recently in Japan with the whiskey regulations, but can you tell people what the difference between sake and sochu is? Because you have a pretty big selection, and you warm it up, which I've never heard of before. Not the sochu, the sake. Sake, okay, yeah. yeah. Sake, shochu, no, unless you enjoy inhaling alcohol. (laughs) Um, 
I mean, I do, but yeah, not like that. I mean, like hot alcohol. Yeah, yeah not in an Irish sense. <laughs> no, 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 in, no, no, in no, a temperature no. sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, this is not South Buffalo. This is like no. So, so the the short answer, and again, there is nuance to this, and the word shochu means different things whether you're coming from Korea or Japan or somewhere else. I'm sure. I think China. Um, but like, basically, the short answer is. Um, Sake is rice wine, effectively. It's like a co-fermented thing. You throw everything into a giant bucket, it bubbles for a while, and then you filter it all out. Um, Shochu is effectively, or at least a kind of shochu, is distilled sake. In short, again, this is incredibly Mm -hmm. reductive. Um, Japanese whiskey is basically just scotch with extra steps. Yeah, That's the short of it. Um, There's a whole history to that with uh, some guy whose name I don't remember going to Scotland, some Japanese guy going to Scotland and learning how to make scotch and then coming back to Japan and being like, oh, look, we've got Mizunara Oak. This is great. Right. I'm making scotch now. So that that's basically the delineation. There's, I'm sure there's more to it, and I'm sure somebody's going to tell me I'm wrong. Do you fine. have any idea of where the whole fad of, like, squirting the sake into some drunk chick's mouth during uh, hibachi came from? Good Lord, no. <laughs> I've always watched, like seen that. I'm like, where does this even start? It's it's an entertainment value. It's got to be. Yeah, I mean, there's I, no practicality to that. No, it's the same. It's got to be the same thing as like the onion volcano. It's like yeah. it looks cool. Like I oh. want to know who the first dude that was like to do it. Like, open your mouth. Let's try this. <laughs> and of course, they use like the weird ketchup <laughs> yeah. dispenser for oh, it. Yeah. So it's yeah. just like a squeeze bottle. Yep. It's too awkward. <laughs> Because it's just it's like the cheapest sake that you can buy. Because they're like lighting it on fire and stuff. They're not gonna like go and get the good stuff and be like, "Hey, hang on, hang on, I'm gonna go to the back room." <laughs> and then it actually kind of has the adverse effect too. Because then when you're providing somebody a good version of it, any American, specifically in Western New York, only knows hibachis, and it's like I don't like that stuff. It's like you haven't had any good version of it ever. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just fell on your shirt and you forgot to put a napkin there. And you can't swallow, so I, whatever. It's fine. It's, it's like tequila. You know, it's like, I, I don't like tequila. No, you just had too much of terrible tequila right. when you were in college. Exactly. Exactly. So you were talking about the vibe of this when it first started. It was kind of come in, sit down, let's give you a beer, and then kind of get out type situation. What is the vibe now? Like, what can somebody expect walking into Sato? So it, it has kind of shifted a little more towards sit down, um, so currently the the situation is basically Wednesday through Saturday it's reservations strongly suggested. You know, we we're not out here telling people no mm-hmm. if they come in, but certain days get crazy, certain days we just literally don't have the capacity to have walk-in seating. It's just, it's just not reasonable. Um that's 9 times out of 10 that's what you're dealing with. We're also working on getting open on Tuesdays. I don't know where it stands, if it's going to be this coming Tuesday or the following Tuesday, but, I mean, I assume shortly around the time mm-hmm. that this comes out, give or take, um, we'll be doing Tuesdays, but that's going to be more of a short menu, more of a brew pub, what you might expect if you just see the word brew pub sure. and wander in. You know, that we're going to try that, and I think that's going to be on Tuesdays. I don't know the hours yet because I wasn't part of that conversation. So do so. you offer food? You offer food outside of like sushi and Japanese cuisine. 
Um, not really okay. Jap Japanese cuisine. Not really. So we've got uh, noodles, rice bowls. We got the yakitori, which is the meat on sticks. Um, meats, sushi, yakitori, ramen, rice bowls, and a few little odds and ends, sort okay. of filler, like fry basket type things. Gotcha. So that's probably what people can expect during the Tuesday. Yeah, like that type of I, yeah. I don't know exactly what the menu is going to be, but I have to assume it's going to be like rice bowls, fry basket, and the yakitori type thing. Kind of going back to mm -hmm. where we started, more or less. Yeah, that's my understanding. I'm again, I may be eating my own foot with that one, but sure. So the hours yeah. right now are four to four to ten and four, four to, to four to eleven. Uh, four to eleven on Fridays and Saturdays, and then four to ten on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Gotcha. And if you're brewing, you're here in the mornings, basically just cranking until four. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Uh, mashing at any time between eight and eight thirty, whenever I actually get here, and yeah, four thirty, five o'clock, depending upon how much the system hates me today. <laughs> it happens. Do you get the opportunity to experiment with like new beers, or is it mostly you're just trying to crank out the staples? Uh, no. So it, I mean, it's fifty fifty. So basically, you know, I've got the three that I talked to the th yeah. three standard stuff. And those, those are there. They're going to be there. They're going to stay there. No way around it. Um, the way that I, I've sort of been given a surprisingly largely way uh, to kind of, I don't want to say do what I want, but do what I want as long as it makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and that has sort of taken the form of those three. Then I've got a new England or new England substitute on tap. Some, some new England E something, um, some sort of fruited something, and then I've got two, one, one heavy duty, one high strength something, which right now is the Imperial Stout, and then it's probably going to be the Uke, uh, the Ukrainian triple that I've got on, and then I've got two taps that leaves me with two taps to kind of do literally whatever. Mm. Do you have a sour yet? Uh, not right now because the fruited thing. Usually the fruited is the sour typically. Yeah, okay. Um, that is currently the. Uh, pining for yous, which is pineapple, yuzu, basil, cream ale that I did with the beer geeks. So, what is yeah. what is Japanese beer like th that you would normally find at a sushi place? Yeah, no, no, it's interesting. No, no, this, this is a, a genuine question because it, I I asked this question a year and a half ago or two years ago when I wandered in here. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't. What do you guys want? Because when this place opened, Japanese beer was Belgian beer mm. um, with Belgian beer with Japanese ingredients or Japanese adjuncts, I guess, in a certain sense. Um, and I've still been kind of trying to figure that out short of some beer with Japanese adjuncts, which doesn't seem like a great like that doesn't seem like a great definition yeah, to yeah. me. Um, so, you know, the direction that I got was okay well go look at at some of these other breweries that are coming out of japan go look at what they're doing because it changes i mean j the japanese craft beer scene is probably 10 years behind us but also like two years behind us at the same time hmm. um it's kind of weird because they're like picking up on some stuff and doing it right away like if you look at some of the cans that are coming out they're very like very modern art looking at least some of the breweries are they're very like hipstery mm -hmm. sort of instagrammy um, but then you look at some of the beers they're making and it's like, oh, we made an amber ale. And it's like, oh, okay, okay, I guess. Um, so there's this 
balancing act of like, well, you know, we make rice with the light lager. So it's got rice from our kitchen in there, you know, make a bunch of rice, throw it in there. Great. Easy. Um, we do a couple tea beers. So there's that sort of thing. Um, I know in the past we've done some Japanese fruits, um, kumquats and a couple other things to my knowledge. Um, I've got a list up on there of just like random Japanese ingredients that could be used. And that's actually shorter than it was. Um, the, to sort of go more to the point of the question, it's, it's what is Japanese beer? What is Japanese whiskey? It's like, it's kind of another, it's kind of a replication of another thing, but slightly also not. Um, if you look at a lot of the other breweries that actually make distro out here, which is really only like three, I think, um, there it's it's basically a lot of the standard beers from the like the heyday of new belgium or the heyday of like blue moon back when they were legitimately craft beer um you know and that's just it's 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 pub beer that's what it is um some germans some english some american nothing too super outside the boxes stylistically but then it's like oh well we threw this weird thing in it. We threw, you know, black rice in this beer, sure. you know, whatever it was. And that that's kind of the best explanation that I've been able to figure out, but I don't know if that's necessarily a good explanation. It's just kind of what I've pieced together. Yeah. Well, that, that's in- interesting because I didn't know. And you, and you see it at Japanese restaurants and it's like it's Japanese beer. It's like, well, what is that? What, what does that even mean? Yeah. Well, in most restaurants, I mean, you go to, you go to a, a squirt in your mouth. <laughs> you know, you go there and you're like, I want Japanese beer and they crack open a sahi and they right. yeah, yeah. And you go, there you go. <laughs> and like in in a certain sense there are a few things that are uniquely Asian. I don't even want to say Japanese because I'd probably get in trouble for that. But you know, um what the heck is that hop? Uh Sirachi Ace is a hop that was developed in either Japan or China, I forget oh, cool. which in like is used far more heavily over there than it is over here. I mean, if you see something with Sriracha Ace, it's strange. Yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I think the only thing that comes to mind immediately is the Brooklyn. Brooklyn did something with Sriracha Ace. Um, but like, there's that sort of thing. And when you see like super dry on beer, which I know like Asai is a super dry, mm-hmm. I think Sapporo is a super dry. They're basically just fermenting extra dry. They're just making a beer that's like something like a brute IPA almost, but they're doing it with a light lager. Gotcha. It's the same headspace, but just applying it to a different style. So, mm. but other than that, I mean, that's the only thing that has stuck out to me as truly like of Japan or of it. You know, China, as opposed to, wow, we made a German lager and we put weird things in it. Like, okay, (laughs) okay, that's fine, I guess. I think a lot of it, too, logistically, is it'll probably be affected in transport if you had something authentically from Japan come here to then be consumed. I mean, obviously, I'm going to go to my heritage, but Guinness tastes way different over there than it does here. And you won't know until you go there and try it, but it's kind of, I'm, assuming would very similar have the same effects if we try to import a Japanese authentic beer. Yeah, and I I have to imagine it's the same thing, especially because, I mean, when you think about some of the adjuncts that just are, like, normal, not even adjuncts in a beer sense, but, like, 
adjuncts in a sense of the things that go into beer that are not typically beer. Um, you know, a lot of the fruit, a lot of the spices, a lot of the odds and ends, whatever you want to call, you know, mochi, this or whatever. You know, a lot of that stuff doesn't even make it to the U.S. in the first place, you know, because a lot of the fruits just don't structurally. You're right. They can't come here. They just literally can't make it that far down to the water. The water here is going to taste way different than there. Oh, yeah. And that's going to have a huge impact on brewing. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with uh, distilling. Yeah. The water that you use is massive because of the mineral content and everything else. So it's. Let's just pack our bags and go there. Then we'll just figure it out. We'll just go live. For a research we'll start, trip. Yeah, we'll just start talking about it. And it's just write off. Right off. It's all business expense. Yeah, we won't do the expansion here. We'll just spend the 80 grand over there. It's R&D. You know? And then it's like, what did you learn? Basically, I can't do anything here that they do there. But yep. it was a super good week. Yeah, well worth the money yes, for sure. Definitely. ROI is huge. But, yeah, that's awesome. You should see the things they do over there. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> so, what, what did we drink here today? What did you have? What did I have? What did Mike have? Just to kind of round up the conversation, we can talk about some of this stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, Mike had the light lager, Shimbo. Uh, you had the pining for yous with the beer geeks, the cream ale that I already outlined, and then I had um, the last little bit of uh, Noko no Choshoku, which is not one of my best names that I've ever made up. <laughs> Um, what did, oh, you made it up? Oh, yeah. A lot of this stuff comes... <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't actually... Do, no, it does translate to something. I didn't just pull words oh, out from... Oh, okay. Not like I thought that. you said that you made it up. I'm like, no, wow. Not, <laughs> ma- made it up in a sense that, like, I came up with it. Can um, you say it again, but slower? Noka no Choshoku. I, I could spell it out, but it's not Is worth that, it. That's it, Japanese. It's not Mandarin, right? Yes, correct. Got it. Um, Nihau. Yeah. <laughs> Nihau is very good in Mandarin, by the way. Yes. Anyway, (laughs) so this, I mean, this is the end of it, so it's almost not really worth talking about. uh, Well, because I got like a half a keg left, so I apologize. I'm just trying to kick the keg here. Um, Yeah, but the light lagers, the light lager, the cream ale was done in collaboration with the Beer Geeks for the festival. The collaboration? Yeah, that one. How was that? Because you're the first brewery that we've talked to since that. Since the last one, at least, and Mike and I didn't, we weren't, even, we didn't even hear about the first one. The yeah, previous well, ones. Yeah, so the f- I was at the first one. It was kind of small. It was up in the upstairs of New Resurgence. Um, that went relatively well, although the breakdown of beers of who did what between the first one and what was technically the third one, which was the most recent one, mm-hmm. were surprisingly different in like a good way. So. The first one was in Resurgence. The second one was COVID. So we were playing this game of, well, who's got a canning line? Can we can this beer? Can we get it out to people? How feasible is this? Like, right, this was also right around the time that I was taking over here. So I was just like, I'm not dealing with this, guys. I just don't, I don't, literally don't have the headspace for it. Um, so the third time came around. As far as I was concerned, it was pretty reasonable, at least from the back end. The festival itself was also pretty good. Um, I know that it expanded a lot. Um, just thinking about how many people you can put in upstairs of Resurgence versus how many people you can put in the powerhouse. Right. Um, I think the first one was somewhere in the realm of 15 breweries, 15-ish breweries. And I think this one was somewhere in the realm of 30, 35 oh, wow. breweries. Yeah. I mean, we were going... Uh, he went all the way out from 
I'm trying to think of the farthest north brewery that I can think of. I guess like Eli Fish or like a handful of breweries in Rochester down to uh, I think Southern Tier did something and then all the way out to Panama Mixtures in the Finger Lakes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, they were pulling some some pretty distant people to come and do this. Um, good breakdown of beers. The first year it was a lot of pastry stouts, a lot of fruited sours, a lot of how crazy can we get before we get told that we can't do this anymore. Um, there was still that this year, but not to the extent that it was the first year. And I think it's just cause everyone's kind of realized, Oh no, we do actually want to make like beer that everyone wants to drink and sure. not just, you know, a 13% maple syrup stout. Like, so, you know, I know that there was, uh, for, for Quentum? I think that's how you pronounce it. I've been corrected on this once already. Um, out of Canandaigua, did a cool uh, jasmine rice lager. Um, I did the cream ale. There was some people. I know Eli Fish did a pickle sour. Ooh. It was better than you think it really? was. I promise. It was surprisingly good. I don't think they won, but I think they got like second or third place. Or maybe they won. I don't remember. Sorry, Adam. I love you. <laughs> um Yeah, like there was actually breadth and depth to what was done. It wasn't just how big can we go. Sure. So it turned out well. Um, I know Russ, who I know you guys interviewed, did. He's a trip. He's interesting. He's he's a man. (laughs) Yes, he is. (laughs) Uh, He did some relatively large, like coconut stout, I think, and then he put half of it in barrels. I know Rusty put half of it in barrels. I think Lily Bell put half of theirs in barrels. You're, you're seeing a theme here. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of breweries did that just because a lot of breweries in that like mid-sized range couldn't really afford to put out a whole size beer for that sort of thing. It's like, well, maybe we aren't going to sell 10 or 15 barrels of this random thing that right. the beer geeks want. Eh, we'll put half of it in barrels. You know, for better or for worse, mm-hmm. we'll find out in a few months, I guess. But that's was, cool. Yeah, I like the powerhouse. That was a cool venue. Um, I know, I know that this is completely. Probably should have mentioned this earlier, but I'm also the secretary for the Western York Brewers Guild. Oh, are you really? Yeah, uh, that might have been a worthwhile point to bring up. Uh, How did you fall into that? Uh, nobody else wanted it. <laughs> Classic. I, All right, I that hate, works. I hate to say it, but it's true. <laughs> um, so that. But the reason I bring that up is because I know that we were talking with the state association about putting the what was the Canal Side Festival at the Powerhouse. I don't know where that stands. That's out of my purview, but I know it was in the conversation. Um, so maybe that'll happen. Maybe it won't. I don't know. It's They got to figure it out and figure it out shortly because I think May 1st is the advertising for that. So, you know, we're going to be back into it faster than anyone thinks. Yeah, it's literally around the corner because Wild. the back end of any month is just flying by. This I would honestly say the last three years, the second half of every month is almost just like, where did that go? Right. Um, also, we should probably note that alcohol to go is now legal once mm-hmm. the state budget gets passed, which is going to be massive in regards to local small businesses in the area. Um, how do you think that is going to impact your life because you are going to now be forced to live into your dojo for quite some time. <laughs> well, 
honestly, like, I mean, like I said, I've got headroom as far as I'm concerned with beer. Right. Which, honestly, I mean, I've had a takeout container, a cooler that people can walk out with things, and I've done a little distro here and there. Hasn't really been a huge deal. Like, it's fine. It's great. You know, awesome. But it hasn't been like, oh, my God, I need to worry about this. Right. Um, and I'm even sending cans to Ramen. I'm sending cans to Elmwood. It's still, it's fine. It's, it's great. Um, as far as, to like, full-on to-go's concerned, I just don't know. I mean, I know right around the time that to-go was kind of on the off-swing, which was, what, June, I guess? June, July, somewhere in there. I know we, we were talking about, like, oh, well, maybe we could do... You know, because I've got the canning line here now that, like, maybe I could do canned cocktails or maybe I could do this. But the the question becomes is, like, what's the demand for this sort of thing? I literally don't know. It'll probably be big now that it's legal because I know that a lot of small businesses were kind of dialing it back in lieu of it ending, mm-hmm. per se. But now that the state SLA is just kind of hands off and it's ready to rock, then it'll be probably... Be- a nice separate revenue stream mm-hmm. for multitudes of businesses, which is really cool. But yeah. I just wanted to see if there was anything in that because I yeah. anything to help a small business, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's definitely. I mean, I'm sure that it would help. I just it's one of those like I couldn't tell you because it's like how do you? We didn't do it originally. We didn't do it during COVID just because like I didn't have the canning line during COVID and. Fair. Like, so we only had the crawlers, and who wants 32 ounces of this mixed cocktail? <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It, to go along with that that 32 ounces of ramen broth that you're going to be also be drinking. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I would hope for the best, but I just, I literally, I couldn't tell you. I would like it to be. It'd be great. You know, hey, awesome. Let's turn the canning line on. Let's, right. you know, bang out some... Some like uh, yuzu mules that we do here. You know, that's. I'm just trying to think of like the what are the big cocktails that we do. Um, it's probably going to be that if it's going to be anything, and just see where that takes us. That's cool. So exciting. Yeah. yeah. So where can people find your cans? Currently, it's only in the restaurants. Okay. Um, every once in a while, I've been able to get over to Fatty's and give them a drop, but it's really, truly is once in a while, um, just because. It's me, and I don't have that much time, frankly. Um, No offense to anyone. I would love to do a little more distro. I'd love to get out. I'd love to, you know, get to bars and whatever, but... um, See people? Yeah, really. Get out of this tunnel. (laughs) Please let me out. (laughs) Um, So... You know, right now I've we we've got my beer at three all three of our restaurants. Obviously, brew pub. I've got everything. Mm -hmm. I've got cans of not everything I sell, but cans of the common stuff that I sell. Um, Elmwood has six of my beers on tap, and they have cans of Shimbo and Urban Samurai as well. And then Ramen up by UB South there on Main Street has two of my beers on tap, one of which is always Shimbo. The other one is whatever I think will work, and then I'm always wrong all of the time. You never know. It's You can roll that dice every time and you're never right it's you just sell through it and you try something else um they have cans of shimbo all the time too so yeah yeah just because he'll complain if we don't say it who does your cans (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't need this (laughs) hi tom oh no hi tom thank you thank you for doing my art tom 
We love to have you here, Tom. <laughs> Design and sarcasm. Yeah. Uh, which honestly he is did a, going to be on his gravestone. <laughs> he did an amazing job on your labels, though. He really did. Yeah, he did. He did. I. I That's uh, what's annoying. He doesn't I know, miss. He's, he's so good. <laughs> he doesn't miss. It's like just make one error. <laughs> nope. Nope. Oh, no, no, wait, he did once, and I'm going to get at him now for it because it's great. Do and, it, and it's I not, love this story. It's not just him. It, it was three people, including Tom, made the mistake. So we did the, um, the O-Fudge collab with uh, Rusty Nickel and a whole bunch of other breweries we, for a small business or small brewery Saturday, whatever it was, a handful of months back now. Um, and Jay from Rusty Nickel was the one who was running point on everything. We did it at his place. Um, he was the one talking to Tom about getting labels done. Whatever, great. So him and Tom get the label together, and Jay runs it by like runs it by Carl and runs it by Josh from West Shore, and Jay's like, great, awesome, sends it off to print. Wakes up the next day from a text from Josh from West Shore, and Josh is like, dude, you screwed up. And Jay goes, what do you mean? He's like, Sato's not on that label. Lily Bell's on the label twice. How did you oh, miss this? What a loser. <laughs> So technically four people missed that because Tom knows that like, come on, Tom, <laughs> come on, Tom, come on, Tom. <laughs> and so that was when that was when Jay just sends a text to Tom and goes, you need to do something right now. <laughs> My understanding was Tom was like, can it wait a couple hours? And Jay was like, no, it needs to be done right now. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, that was the, that was the one thing, the only one thing that Tom has screwed up. <laughs> that is so funny. All good. And what are your socials? Uh, all the handles for all the peoples. Uh, short answer is Sato Brew Pub. Uh, Instagram. I I try and Instagram. I'm not very good at Instagramming. Facebook is for all of the like technical info info of like oh we have to close and oh here are, here's our hours and all like the businessy stuff. Um, I technically have an untapped, but I'm very not good at keeping up, up to date. And no TikTok yet, but I, uh, I guess I got to talk to the first line boys about that. Yeah. Yeah, they, they seem to have the TikTok beer market cornered around here. <laughs> Literally, I saw a picture of them on Facebook from some TikTok reel they did, and they slathered the head brewer up in peanut butter. Yeah, I don't Shane know, was covered in peanut butter. I don't know what that was, and I, I don't actually want to know. But it's it's, it's peanut butter man. It's it's their made up superhero basically, but he retired because That's, Shane's not about it, but Mike is. So it's <laughs> it's one of those. It's one of those. I'm glad because if someone was about being slathered in peanut butter and run <laughs> yeah. up and down the brewery. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really about this. This is my favorite thing. Yeah, let's do this again. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> He's at, Shane's growing out his mullet, too. God. Yeah. The mullet's coming back. Molly's, Molly's never left. Well, he's got yeah, one. The uh, <laughs> the head cider maker from uh, Clarksburg's got one. I feel like somebody else is working on one, too. <laughs> yeah, all of Theo Von Nation. Yeah. Yeah. You would look good with one. Do it. Listen, Derek. Does his job let him have a mullet? <laughs> probably not. Probably not. <laughs> no, probably not. It's all good, though. Cool. We'll, we'll all right, man. You. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Your beers are fantastic. I mean, I guzzled mine. So did you. Very good. Highly recommend this place, Sato Brew Pub. If you can find it, come on down. It's amazing. And I'm assuming the food is great. I mean, this place is always packed. Oh, yeah. So Yeah, we do all right. It's, it's good. It's and your good. menu and everything is online. 
Uh, I think so. Okay. Honestly, you, I'm not the person to ask about right. this stuff. We okay, so we have we have like delivery options, and I guarantee you the menus on that. It's uh, we have a, a square takeout, and I think we're doing DoorDash currently. Gotcha. I think that's what it is. So cool. Go look them up. Come on down. Have a beer. Have some Japanese food. Have some Japanese whiskey, and enjoy your time. So thank you very much, man. We appreciate thank it. Thank you. Absolutely. Cheers. <laughs> Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.